0: Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doralstown Presbyterian Church. As our podcast audience continues to grow, I want to thank our loyal listeners and welcome those who may just recently found us. We know that life can quickly become busy, so this podcast offers an on-the-go opportunity to hear Sunday's sermon along with the scripture lesson read by that day's lay leader or preacher. We also encourage you to visit our website at dtownpc.org To learn more about our church and all of our diverse ministries. Thank you for tuning in. Our first scripture lesson today comes from the book of John chapter 18. This is right after Jesus has spent time praying for his disciples. After Jesus has spoken these words, He went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley, or Jerusalem, to a place where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together, with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees. And they came with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to happen to him, came forward and asked them, who are you looking for? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them when Jesus said to them, I am he. They stepped back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, whom are you looking for and they said jesus of nazareth jesus answered i told you that i am he so if you are looking for me let these men go this was to fulfill the word that he had spoken i did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Nalchus. Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me?
1: The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We gather this morning with the backdrop of fighting in Ukraine, where more than a week we have seen some terrible effects of power. Power ruins things, and it starts things. And even though it is far away, it hits us here at home. We have a willingness to bear witness to pray for peace and pray for justice, And you'll see that in our bulletins this morning, we've got some opportunities even here, beyond prayers, to also help with support for people who might be already on the ground. Power is a tricky thing. Power is where we're thinking about today as we have Jesus encountered by the powers that be in the garden So as that, as our backdrop, we also think about the season of Lent. Now, Lent is the time when we prepare for Easter, and we have these 40 days in between Ash Wednesday and Easter. Now, Sundays would bring us to 47 days, because people thought when they were wondering about how Lent might be marked as a season that you can't not celebrate the risen Lord on a Sunday. You just have to. And so they call them mini-Easters. In these times, we have practices that we make a distinctly different part that is set apart in our time. We also have scriptures that more attest themselves to the drama that is the scene where Jesus is betrayed and Jesus goes towards the cross and Jesus dies and is resurrected. And it is in this particular garden that Jesus often met with his disciples. Now, I as I was thinking about gardens, I thought about something that I typically see in a garden, and it is something called a labyrinth, or you've maybe seen it and thought it might have been a maze. Now, I've known for years that a labyrinth is a place where you can pray. So you approach the labyrinth, and in my recent years, I approached the labyrinth with a question. So if there's something in my life that I'm trying to decide, there's actually a famous poet who borrows words that I would definitely use. Should I take this job? Should I move to this city? Should I try to conceive a child in my middle age? And you might be holding any myriad of questions and bring them to God through this labyrinth. Now, I found out that Doylestown has a labyrinth. It's over by the Mercer Museum. And when I first got here, I noticed it. My head did the very definition of rubbernecking. And as I pulled over to the side with my car in a seemingly busy area of the neck of the woods, just below the downtown area, I found a spot. And I piled my kids out of the car, and Maisie saw a maze, which was super fun. I was filled with awe and amazement, and Royce, of course, saw a climbing challenge. Now, for me, labyrinths have been a place uh, where you find them just at retreats, or perhaps during Lent, a church might make one on its church grounds, and I found out that we have one buried in a closet that we're going to bring out as well for this season. Now, I don't always have a labyrinth nearby, and shockingly enough, in the metropolitan area that I used to live in called Los Angeles, I did not know about a single labyrinth within 50 miles of where I lived. So I held very dearly to this small piece of clay about this big, and they used it for Sunday school today, so they don't have it for a sermon illustration to hold up you today. But it's about this big, and it's made out of clay, and it has in it just a simple circular snail pattern. I held this particular labyrinth in my hand almost to the day, a year ago, as I asked God a question, what am I to do? Now, this is a pattern. You start with your finger on the outside and you move along the opening to the center And you pause at the center for as long as you need. You give it notice and you give your thoughts attention. And when you're ready, you move to the outside again, following along the same journey and the same path in gratitude and affirmation. And as the season of Lent progressed, I didn't have much of an answer, but more of a refined question. God, what are you doing? and I stuck with it for a while until I got, God, you're calling me where? I have a very sarcastic relationship with God, but ultimately it landed us together, and I'm grateful for that. What I didn't realize until much later in my life than I wanted to, is that Jesus' favorite mode of communication is through questions. And according to some scholars, in the Gospels, Jesus asks 307 questions. What does it mean that God asks so many questions? Well, we think back to this scene in the garden where the disciples are learning and resting and praying, and it was all interrupted. Judas knew that Jesus was going to be there. He came to the authorities, and it begins the sequence of Jesus being handed over. And it's interesting that it happens in a garden. The garden is where Adam and Eve in Genesis 2 and 3 fall into sin. The garden is where the betrayal happens in this chapter. And then also the garden is the the scene of the resurrection at Easter. As important as where the disciples are now is where they just came from. But before the disciples got to the garden, they knew that the end was near, and they set the stage for the next few days and eternity. Jesus knew what he was doing and trying to bring the disciples along with him in this grand master plan. And now it's time. It's time for disruption in the garden. It's time for a beginning, and it's time for all those in the dark to now finally see. The gospel writer gives us this vivid description of violent, powerful men with weapons who come in on this moonlit night into the shadows of the garden. And the light of the world stands before them, who in their darkness come with their own torches and their own lanterns. This detail is not lost on us. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot extinguish it. Now, this group is confronted. Whom are you looking for? Jesus asks. Their response is Jesus. Their response is a shocking affirmation of faith, and they know who they are looking for. And equally shocking is Jesus' response, so much so that it knocks them to the ground. Verse 4 says, then Jesus knowing all that was about to happen to him, came forward and asked them, Whom are you looking for? And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus replied, I am he. Two times Jesus asked this question, Whom are you looking for? In the book, Jesus is the Question by Martin B. Copenhaver, he writes about how it turns out that Jesus asked this question multiple times. In the beginning of the Gospel of John, Jesus is departing after meeting with his cousin John and seeing the two disciples following him. He turns around and asks them, Who are you looking for? This question that marks the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Copenhaver goes on to say that these words guide the entire Gospel of John as a series of responses. Jesus says, I am, if you are familiar with that. And the same question that begins Jesus' ministry, guides Jesus' ministry, also ends Jesus' ministry there in the garden where there's echoes of the future question to the women who look into the empty tomb. Whom are you looking for? The question presses this moment for decision as Jesus himself recognized how difficult a question is And these disciples who have traveled with him and seen him heal and been with him up until this very moment and had their lives changed, no one is fully able or prepared to hear what Jesus has to say. And in this season of Lent, I encourage us to ask ourselves this question, whom are you looking for? And we have an opportunity with communion a little bit later on in this worship experience To see that there is a time and a place of this timeless community who gathers around this table as we proclaim what and who we are looking for is an inward participation in God's will. Perhaps there is something more behind Jesus' answer. Perhaps it's in the form of a question. And after Jesus tried to defend, or as Peter tried to defend Jesus with his sword, and Jesus says, am I not to take this cup that the Father has given me? Jesus asks a question in response to a question. And are we not also to take this cup alongside Jesus? Would you pray with me? Or oh Lord, our God, as we experience this season of Lent and come closer to the drama stories that brought you closer to the end of your life, bringing about salvation for the whole world through your resurrection. Let us in turn find some questions that we are needing to ask in this season of our life. In your name we pray, amen.
0: Thank you again for joining us today. Once again, I invite you to check out dtownpc.org for information about our worship and programming for all ages.